Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart. Hear Me, See Me podcast. And today I've got the first person other than the lovely Lena Heady who's come back for a second visit. Oh, wow. This, yeah, this, this lovely lady has <laughs> been on my mind ever since we first spoke. I can't believe her bravery, uh, her fortitude, and what just a wonderful human being she is. Today I'm speaking to Jodie Keegans. Hello, my darling. Hello, you're right. I'm good. Lovely seeing you? you again. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> We're still and, in lockdown. I'm just checking. The record is, yes, we are recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After last time, I didn't mind that was funny. <laughs> um, so let's pretend you've never been on and let's okay. get straight into you tell me and everyone else your story. Okay, so shall I say how we met as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We met down in London before we managed to be born. In London. Yeah, London. (laughs) We went through lockdown. And, uh, yeah, so I was guest speaking at the um, Hair and Beauty Charity um, uh, Ball. And uh, so I just was doing my my, my stuff. And uh, I met Stuart down there. So then we were sat and having a nice old chat at a table when we were allowed to sit at tables. (laughs) We were allowed to have food inside and drink. Yeah. Didn't know what was going to (laughs) happen. So we had a lot of time in London, and it just all went wrong. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so we met there. And, uh, yeah, so um, my name's Jodie, and I'm a survivor of high-risk domestic abuse. Um, I was with my ex-husband for uh, 13 years. So mine was not a short period of time. Mine was a long period of time, so it was very quite grip-fed. Um, and basically, um, he ended up... Um, yeah, we were together 18 years. It, the, it started, we, we had the isolation part at the very start, and then it slowly got worse uh, to a point where it got to, like, physical assaults, and that would have been 2016 when I had my first physical assault. Um, lots of stuff happened in that period, but basically um, at Christmas 2017, he uh, tried to kill me. So um, I was assaulted over two days with a rolling pin, and um, stamped on it, it, and um, I was literally left in the house, and um, I managed to escape with my three children. Now, a big thing with my story is that my daughter at the time was five years old, 
and she told school that daddy was hurting mummy. So um, school listened, school was fantastic. Uh, they listened and um, then went and seeked help. And then um, social services got involved. Uh, they was trying to see us, but my ex-husband is, uh, is a big knob, to be quite honest. And <laughs> he wouldn't, you know, let anybody, you know, see. Yeah, he's, he's a piece of work. So um, they ended up going to court. So they, there was all this evidence. There was um, one of my neighbours as well had also reported um, what they had seen and seen bruises on me. And um, shouting as well. You could hear shouting like apparently five five houses down. So they could like like say it word for word what was being said. Five, and I was on a terrace street, so I was like five watts down. And um, yeah, so it got to December the twenty second, and the and sorry, we was in court. I should say I flipped stuff. Uh, we was in court, and he got told this was family court, but he um, had to leave and uh, leave the house and. Um, he said, in, this was in Crown in Family Court, he says, yes, uh, I will leave. And then he said to me, he was like, I'm not leaving, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm thinking, oh, God. And then um, we ended up, um, like, social workers would come round, he would hide, uh, run out the back door. And then it got to the Friday, and um, he was having to see the children in the contact centre um, and pretend to, to the kids, you know, but he hasn't seen, we haven't seen Dad. So that happened in the contact centre. So some in the contact centre, and he basically lost it, completely lost his marbles, because that was when the control had gone. Do you know where he was having to see the kids? Uh, so he, uh, on that evening, he took out a rolling pin from the drawer and um, started um, battering me at nine o'clock at night with a rolling pin. Uh, he only stopped when he was tired. I to then go into the. I was absolutely uh, an absolute mess on top of all the previous breaks that I had had, because I had a lot of broken bones, but I didn't know what I actually had. And then it ended up being, what did I end up doing then? Uh, so, oh, one of the things that my ex-husband wanted to do was we had to sleep downstairs in the living room, me and the three children, because he wanted to know where he was all the time. So I was having to sleep on the floor in the living room. So I went into the, to my little bed, makeshift bed on the floor in the living room, and um, I just went to sleep. And then the next day, I remember that he just said, this was nine o'clock in the morning on the 23rd of December, 2017. He said, uh, get up and get in this kitchen. So I'm thinking, oh, shh. yeah, I know what's going to happen here. Uh, so I went into the kitchen and then he continued to beat me with a rolling pin again and um, assaulting me. Uh, on top of that, uh, I mean, I managed to get out at that point uh, because the police came. And he'd just been upstairs in the bedroom. He'd just assaulted me uh, by hitting me numerous times in the bedroom. I was going to, um, I had no mobile phone. I've got to stress that. Um, I had no communication. I wasn't allowed to see my family, my parents. Um, I didn't see friends. So I had no support network, nothing. I wasn't allowed to work as well. Uh so I was trying to, um, even though I was in a completely beaten state, I wasn't feeling very well. That turns out I was dying because you just have no energy. Um, and then I went into the, uh, I was going to write on a piece of paper because I was upstairs at this point and I had to get myself ready. And he said, and one of the things that I really mastered really well was covering my bruises with makeup. 
because I'm a makeup artist and I could cover bruises. But when you're in such a state where you've you've completely like I had ninety five percent bruising at that time, I can't cover that. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've got a lot of makeup, but not that much to do anything. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I ended up. I was going to uh, going to be. Uh, I was what I was going to do was I was actually going to write on a piece of paper on in red lipstick SOS Cup Place and put it up at the window. But then he spotted it. it. But then I looked out the window and nobody was in. Typically Saturday, normally get people out. No one was bloody in, were they? So um, I thought, right. So I like, got wet, like crawled myself back, and then there was a knock at the door, and that was the police. So um, I went downstairs, and uh, he was behind me. I always remember his breath behind me because, and then he ran out, and that was the last I saw of him. So he ran out the back door. I went to the front door and uh, ended up, um, well, made sure the back door was locked, went to the front door, opened it up, the police was there, so I'd let the police in. And then I became in, and it must have been a really random situation because I just walked in, I did look great because I looked more like a corpse. And they, I went back, I went, I said to the children, please, can you go upstairs? And they was like, okay. I was like, play an Xbox. So they were like, okay, cool. Uh, I went back into the kitchen made sure it was locked again and then went back into the dining room and I just started taking my, um, my my cardigan off, which I had on, and just said, I think I'm a victim of domestic violence. And that point was the first time I actually uh, admitted to myself that that's what it was. I I didn't even know anything about it. I knew nothing. I had no, no knowledge of domestic abuse at all, even though it's on the TV, it didn't even sink in or anything. I just thought that it was normal relationship, that that was it. And then the one that the two police officers who was there, um, Nikki and Janine, um, they ended up saying, Oh my god, this is like the worst thing that we have seen, you know, for all like in my 18 year like history, like career. So, what ended up happening then they said, Where's his uh, pass? Uh, do you know what it looks like? And I was like, Well, yeah, trying to describe him, should I say? And I was like, Got his passport, so I gave him his passport. And basically, all I live in South Yorkshire, and all of Doncaster Police was looking for him. And this was on the twenty third, day before Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve. Um, so I got out of the house, and then it turns out I only had twenty minutes before I was going to die because of um, the, the due to all what I had, you know, all the um, bruising. Um, because what actually happens is, is that when you have a lot of bruises. Um, your body releases toxin, which is to like sort of bring, like repair yourself. But at that point, uh, your liver and kidneys are failing. Um, so I had really bad, um, high risk of organ failure, and that was actually part of where my body was shutting down when I wasn't feeling very well. Mm. Um, so I ended up spending, um, I actually spent Christmas in hospital. Uh, my children at that point was going to get uh, relocated. So they've just literally seen my dad kill the mother, uh, pretty much. Um, and then the children were going to get taken away to, it was Derbyshire, I believe, that they were going to go to. So and it doesn't, because I've got three children, it doesn't mean that they were all going to go together because of space. So literally they were just going to get like, see that and then get swept away. And then, um, but luckily it came over on the intercom that they had actually found him and arrested him. So um, they arrested him. And then um, I got took to a hospital 
and then they could put me on a drip and you know because that was what I needed like some kind of antidote or some some special big medical thing I don't know I actually never knew what breaks I had but I actually had a, um, a um, MRI scan uh, that day and uh, I in the end it turns out that these were all new and old uh, new and broken uh, sorry new and old breaks so I had nine broken ribs six spinal fractures a broken leg a broken arm because um, my arm's actually bent I've got a tattoo to like cover it but yeah my arm's a bit bent because I wasn't allowed to you know have any excess in medical help uh, a broken shoulder um, he had ripped my ear off and I had to glue my ear back on with um, semi-permanent eyelash glue um, thank you sound system that was really helpful and uh, then I also got a big scar on my face um, I'm, I'm covering all the makeup as much as I can but there was a big scar on my face where you punched my face and my face split and uh, I had to glue my face back uh, my, my cheek back there with um, instant nail glue it, it didn't work out right well to be honest you know the nail glue but it was to keep it together as much as I could do that's the only thing when you're doing like your home you know trying to home surgeries in theory um yeah so uh, and then I went to hospital I was five days in hospital um and then I came out um and then we ended up it was then January and then my ex-husband um his name was Scott um he requested bail twice so um at that point they said you need to move you need to like go do you know and I'm like oh for god's sake do you know and, and literally I was getting that phone call from court because he was appearing in court by video link whether or not he was allowed to get you know bail or not but uh, previously it also um he'd had a um a, a, a visit from social my social worker and he actually told social workers that he was gonna when he comes out he's gonna come and kidnap the children so I got told over the phone, but like when, once he got out of prison and done my interview, we were just like, we've got to let you know that he's threatening to kidnap the kids here. And we're like, great, really don't want to hear this. And uh, yeah, so he'd threatened to, but um, yeah, so it was all literally on that finger. They said, you've got to just, like, escape, you've got to go. I literally got that phone call and then they said, um, no, he's not got bail. So I was like, phew. Then I get a phone call the next day. Oh, he's gone for it again. So you get it twice. I was like, damn it. <clears throat> so I had all that going off. But that was starting in January. So 2018 started off a bit, a bit 2020, really. And um, for me. And then we ended up going through that whole court thing. You know, um, we didn't, we, it kept, the charges kept getting higher and higher. I did an interview. And one of the things that I didn't know was um, I just, now, in, it was 1991 where it was um, where it became illegal for you to rape your wife. Apparently, the first conviction was 1992, um, and I just presumed that I didn't know that you could that you could actually get raped, you know, by your husband. That it was like an offence, you know. I did not know that. Um, so I had an interview, and we ended up getting an extra about seven charges on him. And they said we've got him for rape and sexual assault here after having a police interview. In the end, there was like 18 charges against him. So one of the things that he did was, um, yeah, there was multiple rapes. And then also he'd actually raped me with a rolling, the rolling pen he tried to kill me with and a cucumber as well. Uh, it was actually quite weird, actually, because um, it was only the other day that I was actually having, um, I'd go for my routine smear test and they actually found loads of scarring. 
do you know, from the testimonial, uh, and that's there. So I didn't even know this. Yeah. It's only found out the other day that I've still got scarring there from, do you know, because you want to see it, would you? Um, yeah, so that ended up happening. And then I went, so we went through the whole Crown Court process. That started in August, uh, Bank Holiday Weekend, it was in August 2018, that was. Then what happened, um, we was all told that we was expecting that it'd probably get six to ten years. Do you know, that's what we were looking at, you know. And then it was half sentence. So, um, but just see what happens. Went for the Crown Court at Sheffield. And then when it came to, it, it got found guilty um, of the rape and sexual assaults. It pleaded guilty to the violence uh, all the different because it was all sorts. I mean, he, every day there was something. So there was just all sorts. Anything would just set him off going mad. And I just can't even. It just got to the point. There's so many just different. I mean, I could be here for two days telling you stories. Do you know what? What he'd lost his shit over. Um, and then it was all my fault, and it never was. Uh, so we ended up getting. It was, it was in Crown Court, and then we ended up getting the sentencing. So the sentencing were 18 years. And I was just like, wow, really? Do you know? And, like, my, my CID who worked on the case, um, Steve Barney, Stephen Barnes, he was like, right, he's like, 18. I was like, oh, 18 years? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. Didn't think that. I mean, like, everyone was shocked. And... I didn't know, but I only had a 5% chance of winning my case. They never told me. It was only when I literally, I just, I didn't know much about it. I'm glad I went in blinded, but I didn't know. I literally, in the police car, coming back and be like, do you realise what you've done? I was like, no, like you've won a massive court case. I was like, well, I'm bloody glad I did because uh, it, it's a nightmare, this. And so you kind of think that one that court case is finished, but it stops. No, it doesn't. Domestic abuse carries on and carries on. It's like a never bloody ending story. Because that by that time as well, we had a house together. So we had a mortgage and he refused to sign the house sale. So the house ended up going into uh, repossession. So I lost the family home. I was made homeless with my three children. Um, so technically I'm homeless, uh, but I live with my parents. So uh, I'm not on streets. And I, you know, I'm not on streets. I'm, I'm in the house. So everyone's safe. Um, and then I also had to go bankrupt as well because uh, the debts, it was because of the house going under, but also debts what was in joint names. So like your mortgage, um, council tax. I was having to pay his share of his debts. Debts which were just singly in his name, like the loans, what have you. They just got written off because when you spoke to them, they said, oh, well, it's um, there's no chance of him paying it. So we'll just write it off. But then I got his debts. And I think in the end, it was more like £95,000 of debt that I was in. So I had to go bankrupt. Um, and then you think, okay, this is it. You know, I'm going to have to, you know, surely there's nothing else that can happen. And then it, it rocks up every year then, it seems, because uh, it requests to ask, uh, ask for the children. So uh, I had that in the March of 2018, requesting for me to take the children into prison to see him which is not a chance. Uh, and then he does it again in November, uh, just in 2020. So, and it turned, I have massive court orders. So um, I have a 
non-molestation order that doesn't run out. That's basically a court order, like a protection court order and a restraining order. So he's not allowed to contact me. So I've got two big court orders and he's still a dick and still keeps getting through him. Because there's a clause on there which says that he's allowed to contact the kids. Ask for contact to the kids. And it's like, I won't even give him a cactus to look after, let alone see a child. So, um, and one thing, it just frustrates me. So this clause needs to like come out, which I've got, uh, I got advised. Now, I went to my solicitors uh, last month to find out how much it was going to cost. And uh, we got £1,300 plus VAT uh, plus £500 for every hearing afterwards. It's like, I'm not going to keep paying, you know, for the fact that he's, he's done this. And it's never going to, you've got to put a stop to it at some point. It's just ridiculous. So, yeah, so that was uh, my delightful. <laughs> <laughs> so, and one of the things I have to say is, uh, um, because surprise, surprise, I have post-traumatic stress disorder <laughs> from all this. So I've been in therapy three times. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so um, I've had three lots of different mental health imports. And with my PTSD, I like this so much that you don't, it, you sort of can't keep in, it's like all over the place. So please excuse me, it's just some crackers, <laughs> but in a good way. <laughs> Jodie, <laughs> it was no easier to listen to this time than the second time around. It really was. <laughs> um, it brings out, the trouble is with the, it brings out, um, God, it's quite upset. You know, I've got daughters. I've got I've got uh, four daughters. I've got two grandchildren. Um, things have happened in the past as well. Um, it, it's it's so it's so vile and evil that people. Oh yeah, it was. Um, yeah. Um, it's it's control. It, it, the whole thing uh, is about control. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. You know your lack of control, their their own lack of control that makes them seek out so much to control someone else in that in that way. Mm. Um, there's a couple of things that it brought to me. You know, sorry to take you back, but taking you back to that day before it finished. Yeah, yeah. The day, and you said that he was beating you with. Um, a rolling pin mm. and for, for not 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 for a minute you know no no continuously like two hours if someone beats someone you know to be beaten for a minute seems like an hour mm -hmm. but it for hours yeah the fact that when this is what really got to me Mm. how narcissistic and psychopathic this person must be. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's absolutely he, nuts. He's completely, you know, yeah, he's completely he mad. Stop, yeah. He didn't stop until he, no. he was tired. Yeah. Literally. You know, the weirdest thing as well, this is really creepy as well, but I found out that um, after he'd done all this, so he like, literally killed me, he uh, went to his, uh, to his, his uh, family member's house and acted like nothing had happened. It was completely normal. They said that he was just like, we're laughing loads. And one of the things that um, I found from speaking to a lot of people is I noticed his laugh changed and his laugh resembled, do you know the Joker from Batman? Yeah. Yeah. It sounded just yeah. like that. It were, that were just a bit freaky, that. And yeah, and uh, when he got pissed off and all, 
one thing I noticed is his accent changed. It changed to a London accent. So it's a bit weird that. Yeah. It was odd. My dad was Scottish. And he, yeah, he really a, odd. My dad was Scottish. He had a bit of an accent. Mm. Started swearing. If he lost his temper, started swearing. He went to the most broad Scotch accent. Yeah, it was really yeah. He had relations in the family that were London, but you know when it came to that, it wasn't. It was like Warwickshire way. So nah, so that was a bit weird actually. When I think we're on it, what weird thing, thing happened? Well, another thing that I remember that you did mention this time, but and I know you said you, there's so many instances of it that. But there was one you told me about before was was uh, your dog, your, your pet. Yeah, um, yeah, it's something. Um, yeah, he killed a puppy. Um, we had a ten-week-old puppy, and he killed um, my daughter's dog. And um, he, I just heard him beating her in the um, kitchen. And he says, whatever you do, don't, don't go in. And that was because the dog had ran, he took her for a walk and then ran away in the park. And I don't blame her, to be quite honest. I'm getting out of here. And um, they beat her. And then he just went to me, went, come in the kitchen. And I was like, okay. So I went into the kitchen. And um, and my, the puppy was just laid on the um, worktop. Uh, no, it was laid on the floor, should I say. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, what the fucking hell have you done? And um, it was just like, well, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen. I was like, what do you think is going to friggin' happen? And, um, I put her, and so I put, in, I put her on the work, work top and trying to, you know, calm her, you know, trying to sort her out, and she was really heavily breathing. And then um, he said, and it was really weird, he went, Bring up, uh, she she literally stopped breathing in front of me, like she was gasping for it, and then she just stopped breathing. And I was like, and I just went, "You've killed her! What? You fucking killed her!" And um, he just went, "Can you bring her back to life?" I was like, "Are you what? If you just said, can you? What do you think I'm? Jesus? No, it's not going to happen." And I was just like, "No, that is not going to happen." Jesus, what do you think I'm? you know, special superpowers or something. And that was the whole thing. A lot of the stuff what he did was really unrealistic. And it continued even when he was in prison, unrealistic stuff. And you just thought, are you actually serious? But in his head, it like he believes it. It's it's really, really like messed up. It's it's absolutely but yeah, that was something that I I, I hate. I don't like talking about it. I'm completely fine with you, but it's something um, because, in fact, that's something that I've chosen to not tell my children. So my children oh, don't know. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Honestly, don't worry about it. It's just one of those things, you know. It's, um, but now it's, um, I've just, make it, it's make excuses, should I say. So, but yeah. end of day, but we'll find out at some point when I feel, but I think we've gone through enough without having to know that. Um, but yeah, it, and it was that was awful. That was that was. I get haunted by Lily, the dog, because when I see one that looks like her, yeah. and I always think, God, you know, yeah, and that really does. And that's the thing, like when you're post-traumatic stress disorder, you see things and you think it's them. So, like, you have triggers. So for me, my triggers are navy people in navy blue hoodies. Um, 
I have it with um, the song uh, Human by Megan Bowman because he used to sing and dance to that one. So I absolutely hate that song when it comes on. I have to turn it over. Um, I don't like Black Mercedes Cars. Uh, that one. Um, because that was a car that he had, we drove. Um, that was the one. That was actually the second thing that I sold. I sold the car when he got a he, when he got arrested and left and was in prison. So I got rid of his car, sold it, got it. A really sold it. I mean, he loved his car. His car was his pride and joy. But I sold it and really got a really crap price for it. So I was really over the moon. Be pleased with a shit price. <laughs> I got crap price. It was really bad. Yeah, I think it was only about two grand or something like yeah. that. And he was just put, yeah, really crap. It should have always worth four. <laughs> cut it off. <laughs> and I broke some roof on it as well. Uh, by accident uh, that happened like a little knob fell off and I was like it's, it's a good job he's got there and uh, then um, I got rid of his clothes as well so I gave those to the um, we had multiple house occupancy next door so a lot of those were even just come out somewhere uh, so they got some nice designer clothes you know, gave them some nice like DK and wear stuff so they were happy yeah. and uh, then the but, but then it was like he sent a letter even rang up the solicitor saying that he wants his car why are you going to have a car in prison? It don't make no sense. What are you going to do? Ride it around the car park. Yeah. And yeah, he bought a car and I was like, no. Do you know? And it wasn't even, he hadn't even paid for it. He actually owed money on it to that mm. car, which he had lent off my parents. So he so didn't even own it. It was like, it was money that he was owed. And then the other thing, the weirdest one, this is really weird. He, uh, we had this big, beautiful um, six foot, uh, seven foot dining table with six chairs big like really heavy one and uh, he wanted that the dining table for his cell it felt like and it's like because yeah i just got a phone call from the solicitor saying uh and um, um, he's requesting dining table i was like what do you know you know but it's seven foot with six chairs and they're like what's the point so I gave that away to my friend and she loves it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it's really weird. Uh, but, yeah, and stuff doesn't make sense. I mean, that's the whole thing of mine. You, you've got to laugh. I mean, I have to laugh. That's the thing. It's awful, the story. It's absolutely horrendous. How I deal with it is that I have to laugh about it or I just chuck and cry or just crack up because even more, uh, because that's the only way you can deal with it and try and turn anything negative into a positive. That's what I do. And it's like now I absolutely love doing guest speaking like when I make yourself. Yeah. And uh, I've been really fortunate to um, guest speak at different conferences in my hometown. I had one book for this uh, for 2020, but that went all belly up with uh, COVID. And uh, and I've met some absolutely from I've got a completely different life now. Um, I mean, I've got a, a, I'm in a new relationship. We've been going out nearly it'll be three years in April actually. Um, and then like I can go places. I can do what I want, buy what I want within reason, uh, within my budget. Um, do, wear what I want. You know, if I want to wear makeup, I can wear makeup. If I want a hair different, if I just want to colour it a different thing, or because that was one thing, it, I, it stopped me from like colouring my hair as well. It's yeah. like moan if, and to me, that's something that a woman wants to do. I, I do. I'm awful for it. I change it all the time. It's been red for a year. I've done quite well. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, and you want to have, like go out or see people or go to anything, and life was horrible. You just couldn't. You just got to a point where you were so slow. And this is why it's really interesting with like lockdown. So yeah, we're locked down like free here. And to me, it's very mild to what I used to kind of have. It's very similar, but um, I, I used to get like assaulted and stuff like that, and raped and what have you during lockdown. Like, so imagine like how we are now in lockdown. This is very quite similar to people who was experiencing domestic abuse who were not allowed out, or do you know control? Do you know like where you're told you can't go out anywhere? So, well, this is by your partner. So it's kind of like that snippet into that life of what it's like. Mm. So it is. It's quite weird, but so in theory, like this whole with the isolation lockdown, I'm kind of used to it. So it don't you know? It's very similar to what I had before. Not like like. That was worse, don't get me wrong. But it's it's like on those on that like kind of spectrum. So it's yeah. kind of yeah, it's um yeah, I kinda of used to it to be fair. So but you know, it it's the thing is about this is the generally what I've found, I've you know, because I've spoke to a few people about this subject now, and I've spoke to many, many when I've been doing my work, you know, like I've come across many women and men, you know, victims. Oh yeah, abuse, definitely. You know, men as well. Uh, maybe they upset me the male stories as well. Sorry, really, the male stories really upset me. It, it, it's awful, people. you know. But then I, 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 I was the I was a victim of abuse when I was a child, and that was a man, you know. So yeah, uh, yeah, it really upset me. I find it, it, yeah, all of them upset it, me, but it was really, really upset. Yeah, me. It, it did, and it and it, and it had terrible power over me for many years, and. Then, you know, that was the thing I thought was why I used to overdo it with the drink and the drugs and all those other things. Mm. And I sort of come to realise that that was an excuse because it was a good a good excuse to be... I can see how pain. people would do that. Definitely, like how yeah. you said that you can go as a coping mechanism. Now, I yeah. had a coping... Yeah, I do smoke, but one of the coping mechanisms that I had was education. It sounds really geeky, this, on every level. Yeah, but you are... But, it's, I love education. It's really sad. So, <laughs> but I like, I want to learn what the bloody hell had actually happened. So I was like research. So I was like, I went on like to a domestic abuse um, course called the Freedom Program. And that's for survivors of understanding basically what actually, what actually happened. So I went on that course and um, I didn't leave. <laughs> they end up saying, do you want to? Um, so I ended up becoming a co-facilitator on that course, delivering it. And then I actually went down to Oxford and uh, did uh, my training there. But not like Oxford University. I'm not like, no, just a little little yeah. place. You know? <laughs> I'm going to say, don't think I've gone to Oxford because I'm not. Um, yeah, so I ended up going there. And uh, so I took a couple of days down. So I'm qualified as a trainer of, of a facilitator for that programme. Yeah. I've done loads of domestic abuse courses. I've done my um, education and training level three. So now I'm a qualified trainer. And me and my partner in crime, Suzanne, uh, we are, I know, yes, yes she's doing well, Suzanne. We, we're getting the phone calls. We phone each other every single day. Yeah. And it's like, so what have you been doing? Well, been cleaning today. <laughs> you watch this. You've been cooking. So yeah, we can't we get those. But yeah, so this is why one of the things that we always found was and when I did my first lot of training, um, like education is I couldn't understand why. When we was at school we used to do like sex education, you know, about gambling, drugs, alcohol, but why the hell did we not do about domestic abuse? Because that would have saved me, you know, or anybody else. And when I've spoken to different people 
everyone's like, well, yeah, I, I wish I'd learned about it because, well, that would have helped me. So one of the things that I'm really, really pro for is is teaching in schools yeah. about domestic abuse, any sector. I mean, like um, like with hairdressing uh, and beauty. Um, it's really sad because um, I know quite a few people who are hairdressers who uh, it sounds really awful. We've kind of got this like magnet for like it sounds really bad. This don't take it wrong way for like abusers because I'm like in that category. Of, like that profile of an abuse, what an abuser would want, and I think because of that educate that that like we normally like really chatty people. Mm. Um, we you know we like to look after ourselves, and then they completely split that. I mean, I never used to. I mean, I look like a I look rough as hell. I did before. Um, I wasn't allowed to wear makeup. You know, clothes it would be an absolute mess. Uh, I wouldn't even speak. I mean, everyone's always said, God can tell you got out of that because I remember you never used to speak. You used to look at the floor all the time. Mm. And I just never spoke. Now you can't shut me up. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you need to kick me off this Zoom as well. Just kick me off if you've got another one booked in. <laughs> Do what I'm like. And uh, so I ended up, uh, so it was like the education to me. So this is why uh, me and Suzanne uh, is my friend and business partner. Um, we are in, we've been in process we've been doing um, training um yeah. about domestic abuse but from a real life point of view so uh, from survivors who well probably like me and her who's gone through it so um that's what we've been planned and this is what we was all exciting year last year covid came yeah i mean what i'll do i'll put the links on for everything oh, give me everything every link you've got that you want me to put on we'll put that on at the end yeah, that's right. I don't think I've got any at the moment. Oh, <laughs> we'll sort something out. We'll, 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 I'll add them as and, as and when they come. But oh, know, it's, it's interesting what you said about teaching children and that it would have saved you. Yeah, and what? it's like my daughter now. Yeah. She's so smart. I mean, she's like eight, going on 18. And yeah. she just wants to get rid of like, bullies in the world. And she'll say, you know, the this isn't right, this isn't acceptable. And she knew, she was five, and she knew that her dad should not be doing, and she had no education, she just knew it wasn't right. And I went and told, I mean, she's my guardian angel, my daughter, because if my daughter hadn't, you know, done that, then, and have, and this is a thing with children, they're like little spies in the house. So, and that they can learn that, I mean, everybody should be taught about it, because it's such a big killer, do you know? I mean, before, like, that's the thing that really kind of frustrates me, because, Last time when we spoke, when lockdown was like first kicking off, yeah, we had like lots of you know nice little statistics and stuff, and um, I've gotten on because I actually, but it's all kept quiet. It just doesn't seem to that doesn't seem to have filtered through about yeah. statistics of you know domestic abuse and how much it's risen. I know it has, but I've not. I don't know anything any updated ones. No, so it, that's interesting because I think. As well, there's a, that we, we all know, uh, we, we all can imagine that, that that's gone up. It's gone through the roof, probably. Oh, yeah. Um, suicide has gone up. Exactly, but, yeah, yeah. But it's hard to get any specific statistics yeah. on domestic, uh, domestic abuse, suicide. It doesn't seem yeah. to be... Uh, Where have gone? sort of wonder, is it, is it being held back? Are they, are they frightened because mm. it, it escalated so much it looks bad? I, I don't know. But well, it, this is there. I mean, it was one in four women and one in six men before. Yeah. That was before for before COVID. That was yeah. actually quite older statistics. So why do we not know this now? Do you know, it's... Yeah. 
It's a bit mad, one isn't it? One in four really? women and one in six men. Mm, you ridiculous, know, man. Take that in, anyone listening, take that in. My yeah. favourite exercise, my favourite exercise is when you go into a big, like, say, in the supermarket, because yeah. um, we can take supermarkets because that's the only place we're allowed to go now. Yeah. <laughs> or at school, but we can't do it at school. You think you're in a busy place, and you look and you think, okay, so it affects one in four, uh, one in four women, one in six men. All those, when you think about it, there's going to be someone affected in there. And I always find that a really fascinating, you know, exercise to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's like there was a lot of, like, head... I mean, like, there's a lot of... I mean, there's a really well-known campaigner, a lady called Rachel Williams, who's a hairdresser. And she's fantastic. I've been on quite a few of the Zooms, and I met her down at her conference. She's fabulous. And she was in Wales. Um, and she got shot. Um, so her story is really, really mad story as well. But she got shot, and she was in the hairdressers. So she she's, uh, does a lot of campaign work. She's alive and uh, very much alive and kicking. And, um, but yeah, in, that's a hairdresser and a lot of hairdressers become, seem to become, you know, um, victims of domestic abuse mm. and beauty therapy. People in this, in our industry, um, same as there was a lady called Holly Gozard as well. And she was, um, stabbed in the salon as well. And it gets me in the workplace. It's quite a well-known, it, 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 there was a story of it as on, um, Crime Channel. So yeah. like a lot, a lot of real life crime. I, I, it's only my opinion of what I know of, of things that I should imagine it, it's it's something to do with the empathy, mm. the empathy that uh, naturally that beauticians, hairdressers have got as, as as an industry. We tend to be yeah. drawn to that industry because of the yeah. empathy that we've got. Now, There's a, a narcissist, a narcissist will that is the prey for them mm. because it's someone who is willing to accept and is willing to want to see the best and is willing maybe to want to help. And they, exactly. play, they play the victim. Yeah, yeah. You become the victim, you know. Yeah. And it's a it's very slow process. It's not like switched on overnight. I should imagine that, that your experience was as well. That Mine was really slow. Mine was like carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Mine was really slow. Yeah. But then on the flip side, uh, Suzanne, she was like six, seven months. Yeah. And then the other people. So don't always think that it's going to be because, but our outcomes are really similar. But yeah, it, so it can happen really fast or very, very slow. So, yeah. but you still kind of get to the same end. Yeah. It, it, and and then it will go that far. And, and it, the, the thing is, they tend to be very charming people. Oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah, yeah. They're not never going to be like, yeah. But all, I mean, ridiculously charming. I mean, I remember meeting my ex-husband for the first time, and oh my God, he was like Prince Charming. One of these, he'd open up the doors, you know. Oh, you look fantastic, and you know, not saying that everyone's like this because they're really not. Um, But yeah, really, really nice, really charming. And the way you think, oh God, you know it. Into nice, they all seem to be quite good looking as well. And uh, I mean, I hate his face, I don't like looking at him. <laughs> I don't look at him and then think, Oh, yeah, he's fit. No, no, I just look at him and just, just think, I hate it, you. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've always seemed to have got this. I don't know, it's really weird, like almost charismatic, you know. I mean, like there was that Netflix show, You. And how yeah. he was in that, that was like a, yeah, like a domestic abuse one. And they always kind of have this, I don't know, his kind of way, but it's really odd. It's really strange. Mm. Mm. And, uh, yeah, but then 
they, they're very different, but like your flip side, because then like Bobby could love it, and then they're like anything, I'll just like just flip them over the edge and just go absolutely and do horrendous, horrible things. So you just can't even get your head round it. But you don't. You, and it's not. You can't look at people and think that's going to be one. That's going to be one. Oh, he looks too nice to be one. And then a lot of the people who like said about when it came to my ex-husband, they'd say, um, "Oh God, but he looks such a nice. You know, he, he looks such a nice man. You know, I never expected this. You know, it was. It, it, it was. It was always, always just talked to you in the streets." Yeah. Joe was a lovely chap. I mean, I did, um, when we got the, I worked with South Yorkshire Police and uh, did a story called Jodie's Story. And that was on their Facebook page, it went out. And um, I ended up doing a lot of articles. Uh, well, it went really well. And then I had like journalists wanting me to do some work with them. So um, I worked with like Daily Mirror and then it just went up going ridiculous amounts of places. And it went viral around the world, all sorts of different places it ended up. So if you Google like Jodie Keegan's, then it comes up and there is some pictures on there, but they're not the proper crime scene ones because what really pisses me off is the fact that I have crime scene ones, which are horrible pictures, but they won't print them because apparently they're too scary for people. Do you know, they're not, do you know, they've got to, and then also like when I was reading all the articles, it very sugar-coated my story. Yeah. And this is why I love telling myself because I can say how it is because they want to say it's it's got to be palatable for the um the reader to 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 read. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but it's real life. It really happened, you know. I, I ain't lying about this shit, you know. This is this actually happened, and that's really really frustrated me. This is why I love being able to do stuff myself and actually say, you know, exactly what it is. Yeah. So uh, you need to hear it. I mean, it's it's awful. oh yeah, to it's not sure it. It, yeah. It's awful Sorry. to me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it needs to be heard. For people yeah. to take it as, I mean, you, you, it must be one of the highest sentences someone in this situation's got. Yeah, it was really, really high. I mean, it was ridiculous. Because yeah. I, I didn't expect it. I really didn't. I mean, I always remember, I was just like... I, I, I always remember I came, I literally, we got the sentence and I, like me and like, we were just couldn't believe it. And then like, I was, one of the things I did as well is that when I was in Crown Court, I never went behind screens. I refused because I'm a nightmare. And uh, because I wanted sure. to, but yeah, well, I, I, I really wanted to prove a point yeah. because I wanted to make up to show that I just didn't, that I wasn't scared and that I, I wanted that closure. I needed that closure. Yeah. So, cause I hadn't seen him. So he's literally, you'd see me dead on the floor being a corpse. And then it was the, um, so it was like nine months before I'd, yeah, eight, nine months since I'd seen him. So I thought, right. So I done like, looked around court, see what it was like. So I knew what court were going to be like because uh, they do like a visit where you can check it. And then this, so did the court. And then I ended up, so I said to myself, look, I don't want, I don't want screens. I wanted to see him, do you know, I want him to, you know, see what I look like now just to piss him off, yeah. basically. Not, not not like piss him off, but just to say, yeah, look, yeah. I ain't bothered, you know. Yeah. And I remember going into court and I knew where he was going to be sat. So he was in his like little dock thing whatever like, like little security bit where they have a where they can't run out bench thing yeah 
There's a special name for it, and I've forgotten what it's called. It. <laughs> no, I don't know. Where all crims go. And uh, so he was in that bit. Doc. And the doc. That's the one. Oh, hold on a minute. I was in a dock and all, but I. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, because he went up in a dock as well. He's in the dock. I don't know. We need to get a big, like, Google court things. <laughs> and uh, so I walked in, and I knew where he was, and I made sure of, uh, my hair looked fabulous, my fake makeup looked fabulous. I looked really nice what I was wearing. I just walked in and just looked straight at him as just to say, look what's going to happen now. And I just walked in, and I knew what, and then when they were playing, like, the video, like, where I'd done a video interview, and we'd seen it, like, a week before, just to remind me, <laughs> uh, just to have a look. And uh, I, every time there was a bit, which I knew but really pissed me off, I just looked at him, and I was like, and I just like did that. And I was just like, really, do you know, I would just like look stared and just look back and just thought like, yeah, screw you. So I, I did that. Yeah, I was I just really so when uh, yeah, so that happened. So um so did my old court thing, got cross examined and all that. And uh, I actually really enjoyed court. I found it was yet people who hate court, I actually found it really, really interesting because I like stuff like that. And uh, then I was like up in public gallery, so then I could see, you know, afterwards. So when it was like the reading out of the uh, the sentencing and stuff, um, one of the things, and I find this happens a lot when I watch all my crime stuff because I love all that stuff. Uh, there's no remorse. There's no remorse at all. And there wasn't. It was. He was not bothered. Do you know, like, do you know when they said like eighteen years and stuff? Literally, it was like he it, it was like picking his nails. Yeah, scabs on him, like some skeptic scabs. God knows what he's been doing there, but it was all scabby and horrible. And um, he wasn't bothered. I, I felt like I wanted to shout down to him and say, Oi, do you know, listen, we're talking about you. Do you know, listen, do you know, because there's nothing there. It's really, in like, when you see it depicted in stuff and they say there's nothing, it's like the eyes, that really freaks me out. Because they always say that there's, like, evil behind the eyes, and there is. When you see, like... Um, like crime shows, and they've got like the mugshots from it. The eyes, they're just dead behind the eyes, and they're all really similar. And they have no remorse. And he had no remorse. He was, didn't, he wasn't bothered at all. And then, like, when we went 18 years, he was just like, huh? And that was it. And I was like, oh, okay. And what is he likely to serve? Is it normally bad? Well, it really pees me off this part. Um, it, 18 years. He did. Uh, uh, they take, but when he did a year on remand, so he's actually our Boxing Day 2026. So he does half sentence. So um, yeah. So when it was like this, and then like he's still asking for kids, and it's in his head he thinks he hasn't done anything wrong. He's an absolute pain in the ass, and uh, and this is a bit. It never goes away. It just never, I mean, I've kind of got accustomed now to the, this is just my life, it's just going to be. So when he comes out, it's one of the things that people, they do say, well, why don't you go into hiding? And I, I, I'm, I'm stubborn again, I don't want to, because why the hell should he mess my life up anymore? Do you know, I've got, you know, great friends, got an amazing boyfriend, do you know, uh, support networks, uh, I've got my family, um, and I... <laughs> Do you know, I don't want that. Do you know, I could have, do you know, doing really well, do you know, uh, with my teaching and then have to leave it because of him again. I mean, I ain't doing it. No, I can sob that. I'm not I doing it. Why I you would, but I really admire that you've taken that stance and saying no. Yeah, because I'm just like, no, I'm not having this anymore. Do you know, how far can you go? It, it's just got to a point now where it just takes a piss, to be quite honest. And you just yeah. think, 
well, no, do you know, he, I'd, that's line, do you know, under, go away, do you know, end of, go, like, leave. And, I mean, like, it makes my laugh because, like, when he's requesting to see kids, it's like, you're a registered sex offender, you're on sex offenders register. Do you know, if you had, because I know that if we had kids, they'd get them removed, do you know, and but so why do you think it's okay to see, like, your biological kids? No, because yeah. all the harm that you did, you know, and no, it's not going to happen. The thing is, if you're a rapist, yeah. if it happens to be your wife that you've mm. raped, yeah. is that, why is that any less than being a rapist? You know, cause yeah, exactly. I'm going to say it. They just think, oh, yeah, it's all right. No, it's not. Really, is it all right? You know, it just really, really winds you up, um, to put it politely. And, yeah, it does. And it's like, but then it's like, <clears throat> because I'm a bit of a geek with my um, research, I like researching stuff through history and domestic abuse. Yeah. Through history. And, like, even in, like, the 1800s, we were still going through this. So, like, 1800s, it was still happening. And, like, now it's still happening. How? Do you know? It's ridiculous. And so many will not even go to court, you know, because, like, CPS will not take it on. No. I was lucky that mine was the man got took on because there was that much evidence, to be fair. But when it came to the rape and sexual assaults, that's a hard one to prove. This and is the thing. How, how do you prove, uh, you know, how is there any evidence to prove that mm-hmm. after the event? You know, that's why it's it's so good that, you, you, that it was part of the conviction. Yeah, and it was like, because, it like, and it was only like really frustrating because the other day, like when I was having my smear and then found out that there's all scarring, I thought, God, that was evidence, surely, do you know, if yeah. that had been checked at the time, then you'd be able to see, and that would have been from like the rolling pin. So, sorry, it's been a bit grim, right? But no, I hold my life. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it, it does. And you just sort of think it is really hard because, in theory, you kind of got that one, like, almost like one word over somebody else's. Yeah. And this is why they didn't want me to know that I only have 5% chance of winning. I mean, oh. fact, yeah. And the fact that so many people, like, will not get, like, they'll retract their, like, going to court. Is they kept saying to me, look, please, please, just, like, go to court. I was like, of course I'm going to court. Do you know, I'm standing, you know, you're not going to leave me. Do you know, I'm definitely going to court. And I was really, I loved it. And I'm just really strong-minded. Really, really, do you know, I'm one of these people where, once I get something in my head, then that's it, and I just not give up. And I was never going to back down from that. This is why you're needed. This is why your work is needed so much. And mm. you know, we've really got to promote your work because um, you can come from a place of authority and authenticity that you really can help people who have been through this because you're so. Well, this strong is it. You understand it as well, and yeah. that's the thing. You can. I mean, like people will say. Um, because one of the things that really kind of upset me, what really kind of not upset, well, it did. It was a shame because, like, when it all went out in the media, people was like, got to the point where they, like, they didn't know if they'd want to talk to me or not, whether whether they could talk to me, because it would all come out, like, literally, you know, you Google it and it all comes up. Mm. And people were just like, Are we allowed to talk to you? Should we talk to you? And it's like, Why would you not want to talk to me? Jesus is just one of those things, you know. I'm the most, like, ask me any question, not bothered, you know. Yeah. I must yeah. say, from my point of view, when, I, when I met you in London, I was quite reluctant to come over. I, was, I can understand it. I was quite reluctant to come over and speak to you because yeah. I didn't want to bother you. 
It's weird, isn't it? No, no, just... But I so didn't want to bother you. And, you know, but you were so... And you were so pleased that I'd come and spoke to you. Do you know what, Ray? You met me at the best point because I'd lost my voice. And literally, (laughs) when I was like... Literally, it was awful. I mean, literally, I could not speak. And I was like... I literally only did five minutes to what I normally do because normally I like to have like 25 minutes plus. And I was like trying to talk and I was like and I like I really had to hold my chest I don't know why because it was going to try my voice going to come back yeah. and I was just like trying to do my thing talking and everyone, and everyone's just and I was just like and it, it wasn't even you know to what my normal standard of ruthlessness of what it was because I only had like five minutes off and literally everyone's like oh my god that was amazing and I was I always remember it was really weird because I was in London and uh, so like posh Priscilla London and so we we um, we was at the Hilton Hotel. Joe, we got paid to like I got you know where they pay for you to go to Hilton Hotel. So like I I had been to an Hilton before. So I'm normally premier in May. <laughs> so, I was on the tube on the way back to Essex. I didn't get an hotel. <laughs> you know, oh, I did. I I got I got that, and uh, it was great. <laughs> uh, so uh, so I was like thinking, oh yes, this is. Like, I remember like give you a goodie bag. Like, hey, it's just like being at Oscars. This it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, and I remember thinking, and I was so nervous because. It was, it looked so fancy. And I thought, you know what? And I remember I was with my boyfriend and I said to him, I'm really nervous. And I end up thinking that what I'm going to do is if it ends up, you know, that they just hate it, then get your dinner, eat your dinner, because those mushrooms that's on it apparently are really expensive and it's a nice dinner. <laughs> Have, uh, eat your dinner and then we'll just go. And then we'll just grab a coffee and just leave and just like because it's and and it wasn't it was the opposite. I mean, I thought that people would be thinking, oh, it's just like you kind of think that you get um like typecast, not typecast, but you know, stereotypical like yeah. oh, she's just a battered wife and that. Yeah, they laugh and say, I'm not done too bad for a battered wife. Yeah, and because uh, <laughs> it really bugs me when people call you a battered wife. They call uh-huh. you that in America, the battered woman shelter. It's like yeah. Not very nice saying, is it? Awful. Awful, isn't it? Why? And uh, and it wasn't. Everyone was so lovely and really nice. And people kept coming up to me and talking to me. And I thought that were mad as hell. I was just like, wow, you know, this is, you know, insane. And I just kind of thought that it would, you can't be looked down on. And you wasn't. It was the opposite. And everyone was just like, wow. Everyone, that was really good. The whole room. And I was, that was a shock. Yeah. Yeah. I, did, I, I was did. like, oh my God, this is madness. I'm, I was like, can we just go to the toilet? And everyone would try to talk to me. Really, really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really up. But no, and it was really nice that, and it just shows as well that you can go to different. I mean, with domestic abuse, it affects everybody, it, whether it's different nationalities, ages, race, you know, male, female. Everything, you know, it affects everybody. I mean, in theory, it affects animals because with what happens and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Does, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it's really, it's really bad. You know, um, I've got a child peering at me. I'm trying to ignore him. And um, yeah, so it was really weird um, experiencing that. So, are you, are you now? So, are you still at your mum and dad's? Yes. So this is that, <laughs> yeah. so. There's a few things we need to really try and get into people's minds that we've got to change. Now, the first thing, obviously, is is this legislation, something that's got to be done where 
you, you know, that, that, that you've got to have more protection after you've been through this. Oh, yeah, because it's with just the children, you know, someone that's you someone that in, in, in prison for this heinous crime and yeah. still be reaching out to get the children and all these things. Yeah, uh, yeah. They should forgo that. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is that someone who's been through everything you've been through, they surely can change the legislation around debt. Because for you... Yes, that really, really winds me up. Yes. The financial now, that was a thing because it was only just recently that financial was put into, uh, like financial abuse, economic abuse, was put into the domestic abuse bill. So before, you know, it wasn't even recognised. Yeah. And that was just like, I couldn't believe when this was happening. And then, like, the fact that with the house sale, um, he could control, he was literally controlling everything from behind the prison cell. And it's like, how, do you know, how has this happened? I mean, I had four house sales, and it fell through four times because he refused, and then the bank took it. And there was nothing that could happen. And that was just ridiculous. It turns out that the solicitors that I was using, they could have done a thing called a force of sale. But because I've got some dopey solicitors, they didn't even use that. So <laughs> it turns out that they could have done that all the time. But hey-ho, do you yeah. know, things are things. Yeah. It happened. Uh, but, yeah, and it's just frustrating. And the fact that we're chosen, to, like, it's also who's got to pay the debt. Yeah. It's like, it just got ridiculous. I was like, come on, do you know. And yeah. anything, do you know, that was in, and, like, one thing was, like, the gas bill and the electric. That was in my name. So, because I'd, we, at the one point, we only got a joint bank account a few, like, a year or so before it all happened. And uh, at that point, like, I just said, just, like, the bills would just come out of my bank. So, I just set it up in my name, you know, the electric bill. So, then, because it's in my name, not his name, but joint names, I've got to pay the whole bloody electric bill, which was a couple of thousand. Yeah. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, again, something else. And it's like, but you can prove that he was living there, you know, because of, you know, uh, I've got enough evidence to prove that he was living there, but no one won't take it into context. Yeah. So I had to go bankrupt. There was no option of not going bankrupt. This, this so, is a ridiculous thing. So you've paid, you've nearly, you've very, very nearly paid with your life. Mm-hmm. But then you pay with uh, you pay with your financial security. Oh yeah, you know, and then you pay for future security because of the fact of being a bankrupt is not as easy as people realise that it has. It affects it, jobs it, as well. That's the other thing, I mean, you know. Yeah. And it's like at the moment, that's is why I want to, you know, be. I want to be self-employed because I'm. In all honesty, you know, I'm a sink. Like I'm, I've got my three children, bringing them up. And I'm not a really employable person, you know, to where I was used to work before and, like, you can, you know, work and what have you. Because I'm on my own with the three children. I mean, like, my eldest is 15. Uh, yeah, he's older and stuff. But, um, and then my youngest is eight. You know, they've got schoolwork. I mean, we're in lockdown now. I mean, like, homeschooling, wow. Yeah. That, that is... I used to uh, do this at five o'clock. I forgot. <laughs> I, I know. Sorry, I like two, didn't I? I'm, Oh, yeah, I thought you was a school teacher till four. I mean, I was a school teacher, yes, yes. I'm a, I'm a dinner lady as well, and I'm a headmaster. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. I'm also um, pupil, I'm student support, uh, administ- uh, student support officer as well. So I've got four job titles. Because they do the panic, like, with the kids. Like, this at the moment, I'm lucky that, you know, I mean, that I'm not in terms of, but I'm not employed because I could not do this with the kids, you know, with all this, with with lockdown and what have you. And 
even when they are at school, do you know, you've got, I've got to, for security reasons, I've got to, I can't just get them to walk back home, do you know, I wouldn't trust it, do you know, I always want, do you know, I always, do you know, besides security to make sure that I'm the only, like me or my mum can only pick yeah. the kids up or my dad, because if you never know, but when he's in prison, he could send somebody like, yeah. After it, so there's always that security thing that you've got. To, same as like, if you're on social media, I've got to have my social media really high security, uh, because you can get random people, you know, and you never know if it's linked to him because you don't know what technology they have in in, um, in prison. Yeah, I, so that's what we've got to be careful. Of. And that's the thing. I think that's why it's, uh, we, we all need to get behind you, and, and uh, we need to lobby for things, and we need to to get everyone as many people as possible to, to realise. That, um, that someone like you is protected, um, you're brave enough to stand out, so you should get protected. And also, you, like someone who's been through what you've been through, mm. and even and half what you've been through, should be protected against these other side effects of it. Yeah, this is it. And it just feels like it's never ending. And it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, like, I've got the whole thing of when he comes out of prison, how far, you know, yeah. that, that little goal. It was like, I was actually sat on Christmas, on Boxing Day even. Uh, on my doorstep and I was just sat there thinking god in six years time do you know and then this because of lockdown and stuff like, like 2020 didn't really happen not much really happened there apart from when we went to London and uh, because and it's like that wasted time because that's the thing with me I don't know what's going to happen after six years so like oh. 2016 when it comes out yeah. um, you just don't know what's going to happen so I want to use this time this six years uh, what, what's left so it's like it's almost like a, a sand do you know like the little egg timer that you used to get with the sand yeah a little timer thingy yeah. it's like that going through all the time and then it's like you're almost being and then just thinking god I haven't got much left but no. then there's all these restrictions so this feels like it's wasting a lot because what I do a lot of travelling and do you know what I can do you know um, I'd like to go to you know different places in England and uh, I mean I was trying so hard um the end of last year to um, take my kids to Blackpool and it ended up oh. <laughs> twice. <laughs> twice it got cancelled. And then it's got the kids where we're like, when you get the phone call of, we've got to isolate, Joe, we've come into contact, we're going to be off for two weeks. It's like, oh, great. So just to do one little thing was a nightmare. Do you know, it just took a point where I just cancelled Blackpool. I was like, you know what, we're going to have to do it next year because it's just too much. And so it's hard, you know, and it's kind of like being, when you get that sentence in, yeah, it's good, but you, you kind of been faced with a terminal illness. So it's like you've been given, you know, like, oh, okay. a, yeah, that's the best way of describing it because you think, you know what, I want to get this done, but we can't, you know, at the moment. And because when he's out, it can just rock up, you know, yeah. and, even though I've got high restrictions, you know, like he's not allowed to come into like a certain area. But I mean, I live in quite a big town, so it covers quite a big way. And even if it ends up being like, say, for instance, I was just in Tesco yeah. and then he came up and it, it then I, it's not breaking anything. It can just be there, but he knows everything. So you're going to be constantly in hiding. Yeah. Which is, and then like, you do struggle sleeping like, like the other night. Oh my God, it was so bad last night. Me and mum was asleep. We heard the gate go outside. Straight away, I'm up. This was like three o'clock in the morning. Straight away, I'm up thinking, what, like, what's happened? You know, I'm thinking there's going to be someone in the garden. So, yeah, like, because I'm like the, uh, my mum, she's like eight, um, she's 72. Yeah. And my dad's like nearly 80. He's 80 in March, actually. 
so they're older. And so I'm like, apart from the kids, which I protect them anyway, I'm like, like the man of a house and got to, you know, sort of look after stuff if that makes sense. So I was like going downstairs last night and thinking, right, I'm expecting someone in the garden and stuff like that. But nobody there. It's probably just a cat that jumped on it. But when it was just something like that, and it scares you. So when that ends up happening, straight away you'll be like constantly thinking, God, you know, that is going to be him, you know. So you just never relax. And when you've got PTSD, yeah. I mean, I had it where um, I was back. I mean, I've been in, I'm really, I, I talk about having post-traumatic stress disorder. It does not bother me at all. It is what it is. I'm not surprised uh, with what happened and what have you. Um, and I've got like severe anxiety, severe, uh, I had to get re- retested actually. So it turns out I've got severe PTSD and severe anxiety. Yeah. And I was finding that, you know, lockdown, that affected it last year. So I felt like I was starting to lose a plot in July last year. And it was best way of describing it. Have you ever seen the film's Final Destination? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was just like that. <laughs> and uh, I was scared of dying because I'm thinking, my God, yeah. I've got to be here for the children, you know, look after them. So it was this whole panic. And I was just constantly thought that we're going to die every day, do you know, that there's something we're going to happen. And like even driving in the car, do you know, if I was in the car, I'd be like, if someone would come up behind me, I'd go, oh my God, I'm going to be in a car accident. And it got really, really bad to the point where I had to go seek help over it. Yeah. So that was all a bit mad. <laughs> Before we finish, because it's yeah, just kick me off down. because you know what I'm oh, like. Oh, I'll talk forever. <laughs> here. We've got a newborn grandchild that we had home delivery at the weekend. It sounds like bath times. So it's all kicking off out there. But before we go, uh, please, can you just say, with your experience, what if anyone in this lockdown is in this predicament? You know, like what can they do? What should they be looking for? What should they do? I think that if you see somebody who you think who are kind of experiencing it or you've got something, then I'm always thankful in my situation. I'm so thankful that my neighbours uh, rang um, for help. There's uh, in your area, so like I'm in Doncaster, South Yorkshire, we have like Doncaster Domestic Abuse Hub. Each one you can Google like domestic abuse in your area, they can give you advice, you know, even if you're not too sure and you think, is it or is it not? Or is it just me being a bit daft? Yeah. Just check, do you know? And it's simple things like that that's going to, do you know, make it, you know, a difference. Um, ring the police, that's something as well. And I mean, like, the police with me first time round was very, very good. I thought they were fantastic. I could not fault the police. Only thing that I wasn't like keen on was I had to like report it to the police, this breaking this potential of this non breaking of the court order. And I found that communication wasn't great. Do you know, they never got back to me. And I was a bit dis- very disappointed in him, actually. And I thought, you know what, that's not so good when you're wanting to have help and then they didn't get back to you. And that's, I, people have told me that they've experienced that. I actually experienced that. And it kind of, I was a bit knack with that, actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and just try and, you know, you, you just, just try and, uh, I, there's all sorts of different apps. I mean, one thing that um, I found the other day is uh, there's like an app that you can do on your phone called Bright Sky. Um, you can, you know, get help on there. It's actually a weather app. There's that one. But unfortunately, apparently perpetrators know about that one. So you've got to be careful with that one. I did get another good app the other day. 
nearly set the police off though. Uh, it was called Holly Guard, and I don't know if you can see it on my phone. It's no, it, it's called Holly Guard, and you can get that on. It's spelled H O L L I E Guard. And I got that off uh, Play Store, and that's available on Apple as well. Right. And that was through Holly Gozard's uh, charity, The Girl Who Got Stabbed in the Hairdressers. And that's a security one. So if you, you can set it, to, set it on. So if you're walking somewhere or you're at home and something's, you know, you know, something's happening, you can just shake your phone. And you can put in your reg plate, your description of what you look like and what have you. You can shake your phone and police will come. Brilliant. Yeah, so things like that's really, really good. So that would have, I mean, like I say, I couldn't have, I didn't have any access to a phone, so it wouldn't have worked me. But if you have got a phone, that would have been ideal because he had my mobile phone. Well, what we'll do, this will probably come out in a couple of weeks. So in that time, between now and then, any links like that, we'll put them all on there. So that, you know, I've got your new picture that you've sent to me. So I'm going to put that on there. That's a nice shot. But, you know, just to finish off, I, I, I love you dearly, I, you know. Oh, I, you do. Oh, and also, before I forget, sorry, sure. I know you didn't try to go off, but That's I've stuck the key. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, if, when we're back to normal civilization, you know, when we're back in the normal world, if you ever walk by my end in that, then we'll have to meet up. But also, if you ever oh. need any help with working in um, at one of your homeless shelters, I'd love to be, yeah. like, be able to do someone's nails, anything well, like that. Well, That'd be fantastic when we're back in regular Times. Once we get out of this bloody thing, we will work together. You know, it's, 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 it, of course we'll work together. You know, yeah, definitely. Think, you know, I'm coming. It's, 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 it's just, but we will. It's holding us back. There's so many people that we want to collaborate with, um, and and you know, like this is a, this is a maybe it's a blessing because it, we wouldn't have had this time to get to know everyone and to make well this is it and it's nice that we can do this over zoom uh, as well and learn because yeah. it was like the other day sorry i knew you're trying to go but um i was doing like ghost walks in like york and stuff like live ghost walks and they were fabulous because i like it have been creepy and like edinburgh and stuff so i'm trying to do like like tours of different places via zoom so i feel as if that's like my education is doing really well so i'm doing things like that <laughs> we will oh. definitely we will we'll have a big we'll have a lovely cup of tea and we'll have a big oh yeah definitely that. <laughs> that's wonderful <laughs> well thank you so much and oh, thank you so much touch. for having me i forgot Take to say that at the start and, uh, <laughs> yeah we'll we'll definitely get stuff done in the future thank yeah no problem me. Lovely talking to you, lovely seeing you. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.